Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. What um, I would love for us to consider again today is uh, the theme of, of what we're looking at and where our focus is and where our eyes are and seeing things through the lens of the cross, which is why I've brought with me my wonderful cross glasses again. And I shared about this a few weeks ago and shared from the back of the hall about how, how everything is impacted by what we see and far too often... We are overcome our, our, our senses, if you like, dictate to us what we think about people, what we think about situations and circumstances. You're taking me very seriously right now, aren't you? Taking me seriously? But how in our lives, as believers, we're not to look at ourselves, we're not to look towards God, we're not to look towards one another, we're not to look towards the world, we're not to look towards our future in a natural way, because when we look through the lens of the cross, it changes everything. Yeah. Just with the person sitting next to you right now, just, just say one thing that you think the cross has changed for you. What is the cross, what difference has the cross made in your life? Have a think. One thing. One difference the cross might have made in your life. What I would say is this, the cross changes everything. The cross has changed everything. One act, one moment in time over a three-day period that transformed eternity. Changed everything, the cross. And so my question is, what are we looking at? Are we looking at things naturally? Are we looking at things through the lens of the cross? You know, we can be sometimes so guilty of judging people based on their appearance, can't we? can take one look at a person or one look at a situation and in a natural way and in a worldly way make a judgment that can be completely wrong. And you know, when we look at people, when we look at one another, when we look at situations through the lens of the cross, it gives us an opportunity to see beyond the externals. You know, when you meet somebody and and they, they look different to you, their appearance is different to you, they might have piercings or tattoos, their clothing might be very different, their age is different, Um, their nationality might be obviously different to you, their accent is different, and all of those things, and all of a sudden we can start to put barriers up, but God's heart is that as God's people, we don't allow those things to restrict our care, our love, and our view of people around us. That's what the cross has changed for us, that's what the cross should have changed for us. And it's so important, you know, as um, we start to make judgments on people, people will withdraw, people will put walls up, but we have the opportunity to bring walls down by approaching people differently, by not judging them just on what we see with our natural eyes, or hear with our natural ears, but actually we can see them through the lens of the cross. So important. One of the things that Jesus says to to Peter, one of his, his disciples, Jesus describes to Peter and he says, Peter, I'm going to have to go and I'm going to be arrested, I'm going to be tried, I'm going to be put to death. And what does Peter say? No, Lord, not so, don't let it be. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Satan, get behind me. 
You're looking at things from a natural point of view. I need to go through these things. The cross presents something that goes way beyond the natural. There was something that Jesus was doing that defied what seemed right or normal or a success in the natural, and yet it was the greatest victory that we could ever possibly comprehend. And then Jesus goes on to say, and if anybody wants to be my follower, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And so the cross, we see Jesus through the lens of the cross, but we see our own lives then and the way that we live, that we apply the cross of Jesus Christ to our own lives. In 2 Corinthians, I'd just like to read some verses from, uh, from, from 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read from the message, which I know is a paraphrase. I know it's not um, a word-for-word or a thought-for-thought translation. But there's some things in here that I would just like to consider together about how things can be changed when we look at things through the lens of the cross. Is that okay? Let's just um, close our eyes for a moment and just pray for a moment. The Holy Spirit is here. He's with us. He's in us. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal something fresh and new to us today. I ask and pray that you'd give us a fresh perspective today. You'd give us fresh insights today. I ask that you'd create something new in in us today, Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd help us to see Jesus Christ in a fresh and a new way. I pray you'd help us to see the power that's available to us as the children of God in a fresh and new way, that we'll have a fresh sense of love for one another, for you and for this world around us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask that you do that work in our hearts this morning. Amen. Amen. Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians, and he's He's writing to to a church that has caused him problems, but he's determined to keep working with them. He's determined to see them come into all that he believed God has for them. And you know, one of the things about the cross is we don't have a right to give up on one another because of the cross, because God never gave up on us. And he talks about how the message is obscure to some, and he says that other people are looking or going the wrong way and refuse to give the message serious attention. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. They think he can give them what they want and they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. They're stone blind to the day spring brightness of the message that shines with Christ who gives us the best picture of God we'll ever get. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. If you want to know what his nature is like, look, look at Jesus' nature. If you want to know what he's passionate about, look what Jesus gave his life to doing in his ministry. Healing people, feeding people, saving people, getting alongside people, forgiving people, loving people. And that's the life that God has called us into because of the cross. That's the mission. To be like Christ, to represent, or Bill Johnson says, represent Christ to the world with a body of Christ. Have a look around. Have a look at the people sitting next to you. Turn and have a look at the people behind you. Give them a warm smile. Well, they can't see you because they're looking at the people behind them. But <laughs> This is the body. This is where God has placed us. You know, it was wonderful to welcome in five people this morning and, and, and Ralph and Izzy's two little ones as well into the life of this church. And Robert and Cindy, who can't be here today, we'll welcome them in in a couple of weeks. We ran belonging yesterday. Another 14 people came to that. We'll be welcoming them at the end of the month. We'll be, and God is continuing to add to us And we need to be ready to receive all that God's giving to us. And guess what? They will be different to you and they'll be different to me. And that is such a good thing. Especially that they're different to me. 
But Paul says, remember our message, it's not about ourselves. This is not about me. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ the master and we're all messengers, errand runners from Jesus for you. It started when God said, light up the darkness and our lives filled up with light. Do you remember that moment when you gave your life to Jesus and the light of God broke into your heart and into your life? That continues to happen, doesn't it? The light in the darkness. He doesn't want there to be any darkness in our lives. He doesn't want there to be any darkness in our hearts. He wants his light to break in. Our lives filled up with light and we saw and understood God in the face of Christ. All bright and beautiful. A few weeks ago when I shared about the face of Christ, I I, um, referenced the fact that the face of Jesus is only directly referred to twice in the Gospels. And in Matthew, he describes both times. Once on the Mount of Transfiguration. And what does Jesus' face look like? On the Mount of Transfiguration, like the sun shining in all of its brilliance. And then he refers to the face of Jesus as he's facing his trial in front of the Sanhedrin. And now what is happening to the face of our Savior, to the face of God, it's being beaten and slapped and punched and spat upon. We see in the face of Christ the glory of God and the suffering that he was willing to go through for us through the cross. And Paul goes on to say, if you'll only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. If you just look at this external, if you just look at this physical body, you might miss the brightness. But he says this, and this is true for all of us who put our faith in Jesus this morning. We carry this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. Other versions say that there's a treasure that's within us and we're fragile Jars of clay that contain a great treasure. The message of Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in him. To see ourselves and to not limit our view of ourselves as we look through the cross, it it causes us to see something beyond the natural. Are there times when your body feels weak? Is that just me? Are there times when your body feels tired or fatigued? Are there times when your mind will tell you things about how you might feel and you don't feel great and your emotions are are struggling and stretched and you're facing difficulties and oppositions and in the natural, everything can seem difficult and tough but God says, look through the lens of the cross and see the treasure that I've placed within you. To have a fresh perspective of the message that we carry, the hope that we have as we look at our lives through the lens of the cross, that we're new creations. And he goes on to say that's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. We're not sure what to do, but we know God knows what to do. We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. I love the honesty of Paul. Paul is not denying the difficulties. Paul is not denying the struggles. Paul is not denying the troubles and the attacks and all the things that he's facing. He's not not saying they're not happening. He's being very real and very honest. And he's saying, we've been battered by troubles, but guess what? We're not demoralized. Paul, why? Because I'm looking through the lens of the cross. We're not sure what to do. Paul, you're an apostle to the church. You've got great revelation and you're, you're saying you're not sure what to do. But then he goes on to say, but we know that God knows what to do. 
We've been spiritually terrorized, but God hasn't left our side. We've been thrown down, but we haven't been broken. If you're here today and any of those things are relevant to you about your situation that you're in, you might feel battered by troubles, but be of good heart because he's overcome the world. If you're not sure what to do, God knows what to do. And don't look for other places, other resources to try and find out what to do. Go straight to him. If you're facing spiritual challenges, know this, God hasn't left your side. When I was with the explorers on Friday, we talked about the Jesus walking with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they were downcast. They were out of hope. They'd run out of hope. They thought, this one we'd put all our faith and trust in is dead. And he died in the most terrible way possible. And we're dejected, we're down, we're depressed. And guess who's standing next to them, walking with them? It's only Jesus. The resurrected, victorious Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, is walking next to them. And how, how are they feeling? Ugh. And they're having a go at him for not knowing what's been happening in Jerusalem for the last three days. You've got to love God's humor. Well, we really put a lot of, pinned a lot of hope in this Jesus guy. You know, we really thought he was going to be the Messiah. And, and who's next to them? Jesus. You know, there are times when you might feel downcast, you might feel like things are hopeless, but Jesus is walking next to you. And here's the wonderful thing. When they got to a place and they sat down with him and, they, and he broke bread with them, all of a sudden their eyes were opened and they were reinvigorated. And they made that seven-mile journey back to Jerusalem with a spring in their step. And Jesus had been with them for most of the journey that, uh, to, to getting there. God is with us. May have been thrown down, but we're not broken. Why? Because we see what happened to Jesus, we see what happened to him on the cross, and we see that he is the one who's victorious. We've said it before, no cross, no crown. No grave, no glory. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. Then he goes on to say, but what Jesus did among them, he does in us. Get this, this is what Jesus does in us. This is what Jesus does in you. This is what Jesus does in me. He lives. He lives. Amen. Resurrection life. The imperishable, incorruptible seed lives in each one of us when we're born again. He goes on to say, our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. We're going through the worst. You're getting in on the best. We're not keeping this quiet, Paul and Sean Malin. Not keeping this quiet, not on your life. Just as the psalmist wrote, I believed it, so I said it. We say what we believe. And what we believe is that the one who raised up the master Jesus will just as certainly raise us up with you alive. God wants us to say what we believe. Wherever you are, whoever you're with, to say what you believe. What do you believe? Do you believe that Jesus has saved you? Do you believe that Jesus has died for you? Do you believe that Jesus loves you? Do you believe that your future is in his hands, that you can trust him completely? Do you believe those things? Do I believe those things? Then if we do, we need to say it. Because people are willing to say absolute tosh to us. And we sit and take it. And we don't go away and say, well, they were ramming horoscopes down my throat today. I think they're converting me to read horoscopes. Or, oh, they've, they've pounded me with Celebrity Love Island and just been talking about that. And we sit and we listen to this nonsense. And yet within us lies the truth of eternal life. 
the hope of the universe. And we're like, well, I don't want to offend them by saying anything out of turn. You've just listened to 40 minutes about Hollyoaks. They deserve it. Every detail works to your advantage and to God's glory. More and more grace. More and more people. More and more praise. You hear that cycle? More and more grace. More and more people. More and more praise. More and more grace. More and more people. More and more praise. That's the cycle that we've been called into because of the cross. And Paul says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart. And as Paul, you're being brutally honest here. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. God's grace is over you guys in the youth. And whatever you're facing, whatever situation is coming your way, God has a grace for you. That means he's got provision for you. It means he's got strength for you. It means he wants you to feel good about yourself. Because he's in you and he's with you and he's for you and he loves you. And you will look so different to the rest of your friends as a result. Who get their hope, who get their sense of, of being important by how they look externally when only so many can make a certain level anyway. And yet what's within you is far more precious. Are we looking at things through the lens of the cross or are we as superficial as the rest of the world? I know we're not. But that's a challenge for me. That's a challenge for us. He goes on to say, I'm going to say it again. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Nathaniel and Sarah, not a day goes by for you without his unfo- and the unfolding of his grace. Amen. For each one of us to know that. And then he goes on to say, this, these hard times are small potatoes. I don't think Paul actually said that. I think that's Eugene Peterson's, isn't it? These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times. The lavish celebration prepared for us. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we can see now are here today, gone tomorrow, but the things we can't see now will last forever. God wants us to see what's going on in the invisible realm. He wants us to be people who are supernaturally switched on and alert and looking. That's what the cross does for us. When Jesus stood in front of Pilate, He did not look like the saviour of the world. He did not look like the king of the Jews. He did not look like king of kings and lord of lords. He's standing in front of Pilate. He's been beaten. He's been robbed of sleep. He's been left by all of his friends and his disciples. He's standing there as a man alone, bloodied and beaten. And all the people are saying, kill him. And Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? And what does Jesus say to him? Pilate, if only you knew. If only you could see into the invisible realm right now. I wonder what Pilate would have seen if he'd have caught a glimpse in the invisible realm at that moment. I can only imagine there were myriads of angels champing at the bit to move, to wipe out every person. (laughs) One angel would have done it. But behind them were tens of thousands of others saying, just give us the word, just say, and we will sort these people out for you, Jesus. But he's withholding it all because he says, my kingdom is not of this world. You know what? Just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not there. Just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not real. I shared this story at Bible Week. I'm going to share it now again. When I was about 18, I went on my first holiday with my friends to the south of France, and we went to Saint-Tropez, and I'm a terrible swimmer. I'm getting better, but I'm not a good swimmer. I don't do lengths. I do depths. (laughs) 
My legs start, the rest of me follows. <laughs> to the point where I put armbands around my ankles once when I went swimming at Swansea Swimming Baths, and that nearly killed me because they put the wave machine on, I went upside down, and I nearly drowned. <laughs> Don't do that. But are we, I, I, my friends were going swimming, and my, my, my cousin Christian is a good swimmer, and he set off, and my other two friends set off with him, and I'm standing there on the beach, and I'm thinking, I'm feeling left out, I'm going to go for it. So I push out into the ocean, well, the Mediterranean, it's a sea, isn't it? And as I'm swimming for a couple of minutes, I, 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 well, it feels like it was a couple of hours, I start to lose my energy, and I start to lose my breathing, and I start to flail, and I'm, I realized I'd had a baguette 55 minutes earlier, which, as we all know, the hour is the golden rule, and I could feel myself cramping up. And I started to shout, I'm, dr- I'm, I'm going down, I'm drowning! And my cousin Christian turned to me, and I thought there would be fear in his face or worry or anxiety. No, just disdain and anger, basically. And he turned and he just shouted to me, stand up, stand up. And as I stood up, literally the water was about that high. Literally that high. You know what? The seabed was there all the time. I couldn't see it, but it was there. It was just as real. And I'm flashing, thrashing around and flailing, thinking I'm going down. And all I needed to do was stand yeah. on what I couldn't see. Right. And as soon as I did, I thought, this is small potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> or petit pommes de terre. It's <laughs> the only thing I remember from France. But you know, just because you can't see it, it doesn't mean it's not real, it's not there. And in fact, the invisible realm, the supernatural realm is of far greater quality than this physical, natural, temporal time. And the cross enables us to see that because we look at Jesus and he was given to the cross and the mission that he had and he was standing in front of Pilate and it looked to the natural like everything was at a loss and yet the greatest victory that could possibly come was about to occur through the cross, through his death and his resurrection. And Paul goes on to say, for instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven. God made, not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate to our tents again. Paul's talking about this physical body like a tent. This is a tent. What that means is this. It's flimsy. It's temporary. And we mustn't get too caught up in it. Rather, the treasure that's within is the most important thing. And this treasure within, our spirits that have been renewed in Christ, will be clothed with a new resurrection body one day. And that's the hope that we look towards. Because of the cross. Why? Because Jesus... It happened for him, and if you're in him, it's happening for you. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around you seem like a stopover in an unfurnished shack, and we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection bodies. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving us a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. The deposit of the Holy Spirit is in us to keep us going, to remind us that this is not it, that there's something great ahead for us, that we see the invisible and that we see into the eternal because that's what the cross helps us to do. That's why we live with such good cheer. You won't see us drooping our heads or dragging our feet. Cramped conditions here don't get us down. They only remind us of the spacious living conditions ahead. It's what we trust in but don't yet see that keeps us going or Famously, for we live by believing or by faith and not by sight. That is how God has called us to live. That's how you came into this new life. That's how God wants to continue for us to live in this new life, by faith, 
by believing in what we can't yet see. Tozer said this, faith creates nothing. Oh, Tozer, that's harsh. Faith creates nothing? That's right, faith creates nothing. It simply reckons on that which is already there. It's already there. It might be in the invisible realm, it might be in the spiritual realm, but it's already there. And we lock onto that and we say, I'm bringing that into the now. Do you suppose a few ruts in the road or rocks in the path are going to stop us? When the time comes, we'll be plenty ready to exchange exile for homecoming. But neither exile nor homecoming is the main thing. Please listen to this. This is the main thing that Paul says is the most important thing. Cheerfully pleasing God is the main thing. And that's what we aim to do regardless of our conditions. That's a challenging statement, isn't it? Pleasing God is the main thing, and that's what we aim to do regardless of our conditions. Sooner or later, we'll all have to face God regardless of our conditions. We will appear before Christ and take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. That keeps us vigilant, you can be sure. It's no light thing to know that we will all one day stand in that place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. You know, through, when we look at others through the lens of the cross, we look at our own life, we realize I've got to give an account for my life. God is going to look at my life and he's going to bring a judgment. And it's not going to be based on my conditions, it's going to be based on my faith in Jesus Christ and how I've lived to please him. And he's going to do that for everybody else. And I want as many people as possible to be able to stand before God and know that his judgment is, you've been saved by the blood of my son. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. We're not just saying this to make ourselves look good to, good to you. And then he goes on to say this, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. One man died for everyone. That puts everyone in the same boat. Nobody that is in Christ is better than you. Nobody that is in Christ is lesser than you. You are not, more, you are not greater or lesser than anybody else either. You know, Chris shared last week from Philippians, and, and then he talked about considering others as more worthy than yourself. And then he asked the question, are others more worthy than you? And the answer is no. We're all equal in the eyes of God. We've all been saved by the same means. One man died for all of us. But we treat one another in a way where we see one another as more worthy than us. That's how we live in a way where we look at our, the body of Christ through the cross. You know, in this body, are we looking at one another through the lens of the cross or are we looking with our natural eyes? Do you hold something against your Christian brother and sister right now? Do I hold anything against a Christian brother and sister right now? If I do, I need to deal with it. In the body of Christ, there is no place for schisms or discord or disharmony. There's no place for cliques. There's no place for groups of people. There's no place for discontent or moaning or grumbling. If that's happening, it needs to stop. Because that doesn't bring honor to God. What the word says is this. If somebody sins against you, have a chat with as many people as you can about them and express your concerns. No. And if you're doing that, stop it. If, I, if Sarah finds me, if she would ever find me doing that, she would say, you've got to stop doing that. Yeah. That's right. 
first port of call for married couples is for the husband to challenge the wife, the wife to challenge the husband. They're not speaking in line with what God's word says. If you're unhappy about something, don't grumble about it. Certainly don't moan about it to other people without addressing the person you've got an issue with. That's not seeing things through the lens of the cross. That's worldly. It's wrong. Paul says, we, we see everybody in the same way. Everybody's in the same boat. We're all imperfect, but we're being made perfect because of what Jesus has done for us. He's included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. Do you know, there's, just want to talk about this. We have died to ourselves. Once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that Baptist, baptistry pool proves it. You're dead. Your old life is dead and buried, left at the bottom of the pool. Do you know what? Being dead gets you out of things. Gets you out of the washing up. If Sarah said to the kids, I'm going to tell dad he needs to do the washing up, and the kids came out and said, dad's dead, I wouldn't have to do the washing up. It gets you out of things. If you have a debt, a financial debt, and you die, the debt has been cancelled. If you're serving a prison sentence and you've been given 25 years and you die the first year, they don't keep you for the next 24 years, your corpse in a cell. You get out. We're dead to the law. We're dead to sin. We're dead to the judgment of sin. We've been got out of that. Why? Because I'm dead. It's a good thing. It gets us out of things. So don't apply the law to your life in the same way. Don't get legalistic about things. That's died. It's been dealt with. Gets you out of things. And also, being dead gets things out of you. You know, a dead person is never offended. I don't don't want to be like morose or dark or anything, but if you you kick a corpse, he's not going to say, Oh, you get off. Dead man doesn't respond to hot coals, a dead person doesn't sin, dead person isn't sick stuff's been got out of them we get out of things stuff gets out of us attitudes that are related to our old way of living they're gone they come out of us now appetites or or addictions or any of those things are dead our flesh is dead the word for flesh in the bible is the word socks s-a-r-x in the in in the greek socks and it means your flesh it means your appetite your emotions the feelings the things that make you cause you to sin and, and oppose you to god and god's will in your life well guess what it's dead and what brings an end to the flesh what brings an end to socks a cross s-a-r-x it's dealt with on the cross our flesh has been dealt with it's been cut off it's been left at the bottom of the pool don't pull it back up it stinks This is all because of the cross. We don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. Isn't that wonderful? Don't evaluate people by what they have or how they look. The the, the New Living Translation, we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. We looked at the Messiah that way once and got it all wrong, as you know. We certainly don't look at him that way anymore. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start, is created new, the old life is gone, a new life burgeons, look at it. I think that's fantastic. Anyone is united with the Messiah. Are you you united with the Messiah? 
Guess what? You get a fresh start. Guess what? You've been created new. Yes. Not patched up old version. Brand new version. The old life is gone, a new life burgeons. Look at it. And all this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him. It's been dealt with. And then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Oh, I'm all right with God, but um, John Longfield's not really like me. He's not my kind of person. So, um, you know, that's not true, John. So, you know, I'm all right with God, and John's all right with God, and, and we'll just sort of pursue God separately and you know he can do his thing I'll do mine no we, we then we work together we work to make things work why because we're looking at one another through the cross God put the world square with himself through the Messiah if God can put you right with him he can put you right with your Christian brother or sister giving us the, uh, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing we are Christ's representatives if you're Christ's representative please give me a wave Christ representatives, wave with both arms, just so you know. No, I'm joking. You're Christ representatives. Well, that was, I felt the, the holy breeze there. It was lovely. I'm nearly done. God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. Do you ever look at the world and think, how on earth is this going to work? How on earth is Donald Trump ever going to get on with Kim Jong-un? I always lose track of which end bit it is, which suffix. Or how on earth is th th this group of people, th this, this sect or this group ever going to make it with this group? How are we ever going to resolve these challenges in the world? There's only one way, through the gospel, through the cross. All other ways are man-made and they will fail because all man-made things ultimately fail. But God's ways are perfect and will succeed. And that's why we pray for leaders and that's why we pray for men and women who are in authority because only God can change things. Reconciliation is God's work. Restoration is God's work. We're speaking for Christ himself now. What a privilege. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. How, you say, in Christ. I'm just going to finish with this statement. Please just listen to this. God put on him the wrong who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. God put on him the wrong who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Other versions say this, the God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin or other versions say even became sin itself so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Just close your eyes for a moment, please. Can I just ask you to stand to your feet? I appreciate there were no points one, two, or three there, just sharing from the word, but my prayer is that for all of us, we recognize the work of the cross in our lives. And we recognize how that changes how we see God. He loves you. And he's for you this morning. This afternoon as we are now. He loves your Christian brother and sister. And he loves this world. And when you look at yourself, you're a new creation in him because of the cross. And he wants you to die to all the things 
that need to be dealt with. I want you to know that things, you've been brought out of some things and other things are being brought out of you and me. And that our purpose is to please him. And Heavenly Father, we ask that you would reveal to us the purpose and the plan that you have for us. The mission, Lord, that you've called us to. To see this world transformed by the powerful message of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and his incredible work on the cross. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you're alive. We thank you that you resurrected, that you rose again. And therefore, we too have the same hope because we are in you, Lord. That there's resurrection life, Lord, not just ahead in the future, but resurrection life that's in us right now by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we worship together, as we end this time, Lord, I ask that you would just seal things in our hearts. I pray that you'd help us to put anything right that needs to be put right. Pray that you'd give us a fresh focus and a fresh view of things. That, Lord, that this body would represent Jesus wonderfully. That you'd help us to do that, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your power. We need your love. I ask that you'd flood us with those things as we worship. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.